We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Home and home. Are you an inconsiderate prick like me, or are you a cheese ball like Ross Tucker? Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Not a day I care much about, but we will break it down for you how we view Valentine's Day. And we are playing matchmaker on Valentine's Day for all those free agent NFL quarterbacks. Who would you want? Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton. That's the poll question this morning at RDC Home and Home and reaction across the country from the PR debacle that is the Houston Astros. How might the Red Sox learn from that absolute embarrassment all day long yesterday? It is a Friday here on Home and Home, a Radio.com Sports Original. And we're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. It is ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm in Connecticut at home. Getting ready to hit the road. Ross Tucker's at home in Pennsylvania. He's probably all juiced up for Valentine's Day because he's a freaking cheese ball. But before you call me inconsiderate, Ross Tucker, let me um, tell the folks how you paid off a Super Bowl bet. So if you're listening out there, Ross Tucker and I bet on the Super Bowl. I took the Chiefs to cover. He took the Niners. He was going to send me a Bloody Mary basket. I was going to send him IPA Really good beers from wherever it may have been. Probably the Connecticut, Vermont, New England region. Was psyched to open my Bloody Mary basket. My wife was standing there by my side. And she said, who the hell sent you that? I said, Ross, settling a Super Bowl bet. He is either cheap or incredibly inconsiderate. Do you know why, Ross Tucker? She said that. Uh, I, I absolutely do not know. Okay. All I know is that, uh, I am friendly with the guys at 409 tailgate club in Pennsylvania. It is a Penn state thing. They are a sponsor of a show I do on Penn state football in Pennsylvania. Now that said, I didn't reach out to them. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask for any freebie or anything. I just ordered it and sent it to you. And it was on my mind because I had gotten an email from them about a month earlier or two months earlier about Mm -hmm. this Bloody Mary um, kit, this Bloody Bloody Mary basket, Bloody Mary kit, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So I don't know anything about Bloody Marys. I just know... As soon as I saw that, it made me think of you. And then when you said a bet, I thought, all right, if I lose, I'll buy him that Bloody Mary. No, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It was $39 or $89. I don't remember. Uh, But I ordered it from those guys. I like those guys. Mm So careful with your complaint right now because those guys have given me a lot of food over the years. 
It ain't about those guys. This ain't about them because this is delicious. 409 Tailgate Club Bloody Mary Mix. Not many rival mine. It's delicious. It's gluten-free, and it's fantastic. Ross Tucker also included pepperoni straws. Fantastic. Love them. And even a bacon rim, which if you're watching on the Radio.com app, is incredible. Check, check, check. The guys at 409, mm, that's fantastic. This is on you. A Bloody Mary basket, if you're settling a bet, has to include what did you not include? What else goes in a Bloody Mary? Jesus. Vodka. Oh, the vodka. <laughs> the vodka. This ain't on the Bloody Mary club, the, the tailgate uh, club. 409 tailgate club, they got it covered. You dropped the ball. It's not a Bloody Mary without vodka, Ross Tucker. What am I going to send you, non-alcoholic IPAs? Uh, Thank God. I, I, I mean, e- even like a small bottle, like even like an airplane bottle at least would have said, at least here's enough for one Bloody Mary. Thankfully, I had my own stash. Um, all right. You so get it now? Number one, number one, I am an admittedly bad gift giver. Number two, I don't know what the rules are about sending that stuff across state lines or whatever, but I'm assuming the 409 Tailgate Club is not allowed to sell alcohol or do it. I honestly, Dave, never even thought about it. I just, I knew you like uh, Bloody Mary's. I knew that they had this tailgate kit, this Bloody Mary kit. So I sent it to you. I didn't even think about the vodka portion of it, but I do know that the next time I get you a gift will be a cold day in hell. And I will <laughs> never get you a gift again now. Let's get back to the you being a bad gift giver part. It ain't a Bloody Mary without vodka. And it was my wife standing there by my side who pointed out, this is absurd, man. So look, it is Valentine's Day. And I am a crusty prick when it comes to Valentine's Day. And thank God I married a woman who at least says she feels the same way about this ridiculous made-up Hallmark holiday um, because I don't have a gift for my wife on Valentine's Day. And I don't know that you can criticize given that I got no vodka in my Bloody Mary bet. Yeah, well, first of all, you're happy with everything you got, so maybe you should just stop there and not been critical, <laughs> number one. Number two, uh, I don't believe your wife for a second about the Valentine's Day thing. Even when they say that, deep down in places they don't want to admit, They still want it to be a special day. They still want you to make them feel special. And by the way, you have two daughters, including a young daughter, and you should set the tone with both of them about how potential future suitors should treat them on this and any holiday. Like a freaking princess. Like the greatest thing that walked the earth. Because if they don't, you can't date my daughter. Wow. So we've got a football poll question, but you may have just proposed a better one. Is my wife... She doesn't want anything on Valentine's Day. Are women lying when they say that? 
Here's yes. why I don't think she's lying. The last time I went all out and got a big thing of flowers and some sort of chocolates, my wife looked at me like, yeah, nice try, pal. Like, I don't care that you got me something because it's Valentine's Day. I'm not falling for your forced shit. I would rather have you do anything any other day of the year. Was the look, was the reaction. Now, it seemed genuine to me that she was not at all excited about getting those flowers on Valentine's Day. She wants to see it. Now, maybe the problem is, is I'm not giving enough romance on the other 360 uh, plus days a year. Maybe that's the bigger issue here, but I believe her when she says it doesn't make a big difference whether I do or whether I do not, but you have me feeling bad, awfully bad about setting an example for my young daughters and perhaps even more so for my son about how to treat a lady on Valentine's day. So now I feel bad because of the parenting part. Thanks a lot, bro. Appreciate that. Well, it's true. It's true. They they take their cues from us. You got to make it special. And by the way, you know what I got my wife for Valentine's Day? Breath mints. I want to know. Breath mints. Oh, you're fired. Um, you know why? Because it's not about flowers or chocolates or some gift. It's about <laughs> time. It's about time. I am taking her. We have a date tonight. I am taking her. Uh, it's a surprise. Okay. And it's about almost an hour away. It's very cool. I'll tell you because I know she doesn't listen. It's down closer to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It is the Lidditz Fire and Ice Festival. They close off the streets. We've got dinner reservations. It's all ice sculptures. You walk. You get dessert here. You have a drink there. I've got dinner reservations. I'm making it special because you know what? It is special. It is freaking special. It's the only day that's just devoted, along with maybe your anniversary, to just your loved ones, your your relationship. It, it is what you make of it. And I make it awesome because I like to live my life awesome. And I don't want to get too, I'm not going to get too deep here or too dark here, okay? But with what happened to Kobe Bryant recently and his daughter, to me, that only reinforced the importance of even if it's corny, even if it's lame, you go all in and you go all out. Because you never freaking know. And you'll never regret going all in on the corny Valentine's Day. You'll only regret the times that you didn't. God, you broke me, man. <laughs> but you got her <laughs> breath mints because you're telling her she has bad breath. No, that's just something. <laughs> so so, so to, to, my, to your point about my wife, like, my wife, like, if I got her flowers or whatever, she'd be like, thank you. If I got her chocolate, she'd be like, to do that. Like, so she is, um, she just doesn't like the fluff or she doesn't like the fluff or the stupid stuff. She will be happy that she'll have those lifesavers or whatever, 
to put in her in her glove compartment in her car to pop every once huh. in a while when she's going to go into a meet. Like that's a practical gift that she'll be happy about. But she'll really, my wife. It's it's about quality time and it's about acts of service. So it's the fact that I took the time to come up with a unique and different place for us to go and thing for us to do time we actually spend together on the drive each way and tonight. So that's what it's really about. And, and to be truthful, Dave, I am more into it than my wife is. Um, she often tells, she often, when I am sentimental or emotional, she'll say, girl, <laughs> she'll, she'll call me she'll call me a girl she'll be like girl because i grew up much more like that than she did so she'll bust my chops about it she says i'm the girl in the like uh, we have three anniversaries that we celebrate and i take yeah. them all seriously she ma- kind of makes fun of me for that but oh i don't care God. i don't care you only live once dude I don't first care. date, marriage, and what else? Marriage, first time we met her, and uh, first time we told each other we loved each other. Oh, my September girl. 16th. <laughs> September 16th, 2001. Girl. <laughs> you are such a cheese dick. Oh, my God. You are a Hall of Fame cheese dick. You have three anniversaries. I Oh, man. I got to step up my game. I got to step up my game. Uh, Later in the show, we've got some unconventional Valentine Day (laughs) celebrations. Top four really outside the box if you're looking for something last second in summer, downright frightening. You are a legendary cheese dick. The way the Houston Astros pulled off a legendary Hall of Fame all-time great debacle yesterday in the history of sports (laughs) public relations. It's hard to imagine anything in any sport topping the pathetic performance the Astros have put together since the sign-stealing scandal went down, and yesterday was the coup de grace. It was unreal. From Altuve to Bregman, and the cherry on top was the owner, Jim Crane. We've got reaction from around the country, from San Francisco, from Boston, from D.C., Dallas, New York, and Philly. Here's how they all bought Jim Crane coming out and saying it didn't impact the game and then reversing himself on that one seconds later and saying he should not be held accountable reaction from the Astros debacle from around the country. That's all I can think of with the Houston Astros completely disingenuous apology was from the episode of South Park about the BP oil spill. We are deeply sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Sorry. Uh. And this guy stands up there and says, I don't think it affected the game. This didn't impact the game. Yeah. Didn't impact the game. That looks what do you mean it didn't impact the game? I, well, I didn't say on. it didn't impact the game. I didn't it say it didn't impact the game. I, okay. I didn't say it didn't impact the game. <laughs> what? This didn't impact the game. I mean, I am more angry about this now than I was when the news came out. I can't really explain why, Danny, and I'm not able to fully comprehend how this trajectory internally has happened for me. 
but are you bleeping kidding me? Then a we won the World Series. We'll leave it at that. Didn't you have an advantage in these games? Didn't it influence the game? And he said it may have and it may not have. Their opinion is that oh, it man. didn't. Are you kidding me, dude? You can tell that he means everything that he's saying by the cadence of his voice. I, I have a prepared remark. Now, always the great start to a sincere apology. Corey, I have some prepared remarks for you. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. Mark Davis is no longer the worst owner in sports. No. Dan Snyder is no longer the worst no. owner in sports. Dolan, Pick, though, pick Dolan your owner be. du jour. I don't know, James Dolan. This guy okay. might be James Dolan. He's just dumber. He said it didn't impact the game. We won the World Series and we're moving on. Is, is essentially what he said. And then less than a minute later, well, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. This guy's a moron. Yo, yeah. This guy <laughs> is he is not very bright. We as Red Sox fans need to thank God that Jim Crane is not the owner of the Red Sox. This guy is a buffoon. Obviously, it affected the performance on the field, or they wouldn't have done it. I mean, we know that. I mean, do they want to? Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this for this year? The Astros should be made to tell the other team which pitch is coming. They should have uh, Verlander and all the other pitchers shout out fastball, curveball, and see how that goes for them. So it obviously affected the performance. Okay, sure. Let's go home now. Like, like what a fool. That He wasn't prepared. Obviously, no. he wasn't prepared. Who the, hell, who the hell would tell him to say that and to do that? Excellent reaction from around the country as we fire up our radio.com red zone reaction from around the country. And look, we crucified the Astros yesterday, Nick Costos in the final half an hour. I recommend you go back and listen to that on the radio.com app on demand. A couple of great points made there. The only thing I could compare this to was brought up there by 95-7 the game. This is like the BP oil spill PR reaction. That's the only thing it compares to. Nothing in sports would compare it to because the Patriots, they handle things their own way, which were on to Cincinnati. And ultimately, the Patriots, no one felt like in the end, that was why they were winning. They've proven that over the last 20 years. Uh, two, Jim Crane now in the conversation for the worst owner in sports. No one in sports knew the name Jim Crane before a few months ago. And now he's being compared with Dan Snyder as the worst owner in sports. That is amazing. And three, as we move this forward, the Boston Red Sox are up next. They are on the clock. They are going to get hit because they did break the rules. They did use the Apple watch. They did not do what the Astros did. Uh, not even close. Um, that I've been told from some very close sources to this situation. But let's move this forward. Ross, what should they have said? Because I've thought about many times, maybe I could take my media experience and go into PR. And so I thought, what would I tell them to say? What should they have said? Is there anything the Astros could have said to quiet the situation, to move it on, to move it forward? Not really. Um, and the more I think about this, especially the owner, just because you're rich and made a lot of money and own a team doesn't mean you are necessarily an expert or able to handle a lot of questions like this the way you would like to or the way you should. Clearly, this guy was in over his head. 
But just because you made a bunch of money, I don't know how he made his money, maybe you know, Dave, and you bought a baseball team, doesn't mean you're the greatest public speaker. Doesn't mean you're able to convey what you'd like to convey. Because I think he was trying to say, it may have, it may not have, we don't really know. You know, there's no way to know for sure. But that's clearly not what he said. Um, I actually thought what was worse than that was when he said, I shouldn't be held accountable. Like, that is stunning to me. So I think about, like, you know, with the, did it affect you win the World Series? You know, I just don't think that came out the way he wanted it to, right? Like, I think he, what he meant to say was, it might have, it might not have, you know, we won the World Series, whatever. I don't, we don't, we don't really think it had much of an impact, whatever. But to be asked whether or not you should be held accountable when you're the owner of the organization, I'm just shocked that he doesn't know or nobody told him that the answer to that question is always, yes, I am, I have been, uh, we are accountable for what we did, which is why we've made the changes we've made which is why we accept the discipline Major League Baseball gave us. Like, you don't let people have the soundbite or the quote, I don't think I should be held accountable. That definitely was the worst part of it. I thought it was a pretty easy uh, layup for the Astros yesterday. Um, You have to acknowledge that it may have impacted the game. Otherwise, there's no way they would have done it. There's no way they would have taken the chances, broken the rules, spit in the face of the commissioner. We'll never know. I think you obviously defend the quality of baseball team that you have. And we'll find out soon enough how good that team is and how much impact it had. Because if Jose Altuve is a 240 hitter with 18 home runs, boy, his career looks a lot different. You come out and you defend your ball club. You admit that it had some impact on the game, but we'll never know. I built a World Series champion here, and I believe that they would have won in 2017 with or without the stealing signs, but I am sorry, and you don't ever read from a script. All these things don't ever read from a script. Speak from the heart, apologize, and say we're going to do everything we can to rebuild trust in this organization. We apologize most importantly, to the fans and to the kids who love baseball and believe in baseball. Try to turn the page, but apologize from the bottom of your heart. And if you are the owner, you absolutely take accountability. You say, I didn't do my job. I failed to monitor my own baseball club. And to your question, Jim Crane has made Hundreds of millions of dollars as a brilliant businessman, majority shareholder of Champion Energy, Crane Worldwide Logistics, Crane Freight and Shipping, so on and so forth. It's amazing that successful a businessman doesn't have a clue about public relations. He certainly has a firm helping him out with it. This was one of the all-time debacles. And now, hopefully, the Boston Red Sox have learned how to handle this because they're going to get hit. It might be this week. It might be next week. Hopefully they've learned how to apologize sincerely, how to say we are sorry to everyone and how to turn the page and not bring this back up because now this will dominate the Major League Baseball season. It will be the biggest story from now to the end of the year. This ain't the NFL. And we'll talk about Miles Garrett later in the program. But Miles Garrett happened. Yeah, it was a big story for four or five days. 
And then it was gone because the game is so great because Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and 20 million people are watching each and every football game. This ain't the NFL, man. This is baseball where this story, much like the PED era, will dominate the year. Let me tell you this, though, Ross. I'm not sure it's bad for baseball. I'm not sure this isn't good for baseball. Sports need a villain. Every sport needs a villain. Politics need a villain. And villains rate well. We need someone to hate. I'm not convinced this in any way reflects poorly on the game. I think the commissioner has got a long way to go. And I think his job could ultimately be on the line here. He is the face of this debacle. He screwed it up going back three or four years. I'm just not convinced it hurts the game of baseball. How does it? I don't think it really does, Dave. And this is one of the issues I feel like we have in society is that on some level, controversy is good. Yeah, Controversy brings more attention. You know, there are times, Dave, where I sit there and I think, does the NFL like controversy? Now, they haven't had as much recently. But over the last five years, there have been enough things where I just thought, Gosh, it's almost like they want this to happen. Like, it's almost like, like, how could they do this? Almost like they want the controversy that goes along with this. I think for the Major League Baseball, it is Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, by the way, Dave. And <laughs> we're talking about baseball. We're talking about baseball. You know, we got the XFL. We got the All-Star Weekend for NBA. We're actually talking about baseball. And by the way, Astros games next year, all immediately interesting, which mm -hmm. is something new. We all have a team to root against and teams to root for. You're right. We all have a vested interest in a team other than our own, which is very rare for baseball. Typically, I don't care about any team other than the Phillies. And that's it. That's it. And I think that's a problem. I'll say this, though. I'm a little skeptical about how long the fan outrage and how pronounced it will be. They play 162 games. I think when the first time they play in New York, it'll be crazy. I think the first time if they play the Dodgers this year, it'll be intense. When they play Milwaukee, Will there be hundreds of people killing these guys or no? When they come to other cities, will it really? And all these pitchers are talking a big game. Are they really going to beat them? Are they like, I I'm not so sure. Are they, are they really going to be the guy that hits a guy and then they start a fight? And look, I hope they are. I love bench clearing brawls in baseball, especially when somebody actually does something. Punch somebody, do something, please, sand, foam, anything, do something. Um, but I'm skeptical as to how many pitchers really do that. You know, maybe the first series, one guy does it. But I, I'm most interested now in the fan reaction and the pitcher reaction for the opposing teams. And I'm skeptical that either one of them will be as significant as people are acting like they will be. Yeah, I think the actually think the anger from the fans will probably carry throughout the season, with the exception of road trips to divisional opponents, which you do multiple times. 
Every time they visit a unique opponent, that stadium will fill up. The signs will be great. They'll have chants that'll be great. I don't think the there have been theories, and you threw out one that the guys are going to throw at the Astros. Uh, I would love to see that, quite frankly. A couple of bench-clearing brawls would not be all that bad, but Major League Baseball is going to get a grip on that because Rob Manfred has sucked from the beginning to the end. He's been awful, and he's got to get a grip on this, and that starts with warning Major League clubs about throwing at Houston Astros batters, which they will certainly try to get a handle on before spring training ends. Circle May 22nd, 3rd, and 4th. That'll be interesting. Astros at the Red Sox, the sign-stealing scandal series. It's going to dominate this year. Just not convinced. It's entirely bad for baseball. Let us know what you think about that. RDC, home and home, on Twitter. Up next, we'll talk about our poll question after a break. It is Valentine's Day, and that's the theme here. We are all about... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Love. No, I'm not. But let's talk about all these salary cap implications of this free agent quarterback class with Michael Gennetti, our good friend from Spotrack. Um, I screwed it up again. Spot track because I want it to be spot track. Michael Gennady, good to have you back on the program. Been a while, my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Let's have you answer our poll question this morning. Who's the guy you want for one season? Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton. Oh, I'm with Dalton on that one. I think Dalton finds a, re- a really strong team here in 2020, whether it's the Saints to uh, fill in for Drew Brees after 2020 whether it's the Patriots to take over for Brady at some point. I, I think Dalton maybe has to sit out for one year, um, depending on how these chips fall. But I do think he gets the uh, the better team at the end of the day. And what do you think what, – what is his current contract, Mike? Um, and do you think that whoever trades for him just keeps that last year or they extend him? But what's, it, what's he at right now? Yeah, it's one, one year, $17 million. So – it sort of depends on how you're going to treat it. If you're going to treat it like I'm talking, where, whereas he comes in and sort of sits for a year and backs some somebody up, maybe you keep him around on that deal. Otherwise, you're definitely going to push this thing out three to four years, give him a signing bonus, you know, make him happy and comfortable. And then whenever you need him, whether it's 2020 or forward, uh, he's ready to roll. But it's a, it's sort of a 50-50 shot there based on whether you keep that contract or not. But what do you make of the reports that the Bengals are going to facilitate a trade that would work out well, that that Andy Dalton would be pleased with? And would you have any of the 
model franchises in the NFL do that? Would Bill Belichick ever do that? Although I, I guess I can't really say that because look what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo. They certainly could have got better investment, better return on their investment, and they sent him to a great situation with the guy Bill Belichick likes. But what does that tell you that the Bengals want to make him happy? Two things. Number one, uh, certainly Dalton's earned that. Um, and not that that means anything when it comes down to business, but you can understand that being a part of this conversation right now. But the other thing is you've got to, you've got to show a good face for, you know, your other, your other superstars going forward. You want to be able to attract free agents when it's time to, to fill in around Joe Burrow and something like this. I mean, it's, it's the conversation we had with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. I mean, they paid him $21 million to go away. And, you know, that's not just a gesture. That's a, that's a show of business. From the Colts standpoint, that's that's to show that we take care of our own and we're willing to go the extra mile to make sure that this team is comfortable and happy. So I completely agree with and believe the, uh, the report that they're going to take care of Dalton in terms of where they trade him. Michael, let's get into Cam Newton. Uh, I think he's a, a really interesting situation. So yeah. what is his salary cap number and and contract for this year? It's a little more than Dalton. It's one year's in twenty million. It's about nineteen to let him go. Um, nineteen cash it would be. So it, to me, that's exactly the same scenario, and and maybe even more so because of the injury situation. Um, I think any team that takes on Cam, whether it's via trade or even if they have to sign him as as just a street free agent, uh, you're going to want to slow play this and make sure he can get back to full speed. Because I'm not sure that the the past two years of Cam Newton proved that he's even been able to do that. Um, I like him out west somewhere. It just seems like the Raiders or the Chargers would be involved in this conversation for Cam because both can kind of bridge this thing, especially the Chargers who have that high draft pick right now and probably will take a quarterback up there in the first round. Uh, I love Cam Newton as a bridge option for the Chargers to get them to that rookie quarterback. Or, look, if Cam works out, then certainly you've got a huge trade ship in whoever you just drafted. Uh, to me, that makes a ton of sense. Just to, rather than somebody take a huge splash on Cam to be their, their their quarterback for the next four to five years, that doesn't seem likely to me. All right. So, but here's the issue, right? Is I don't think he's going to be fully healed by yeah. the time the new league year starts. So, how does anybody really trade for him then? Or how do the Panthers make a decision about him or trade him? With him not being recovered from that Liz Frank surgery. Yeah, it's certainly going to drop the uh, the value. I mean, I, I don't think Andy Dalton or Cam Newton will will bring back a huge trade value because they are rentals, essentially, for, based on what their contract structure is. Um, and certainly the injury to Cam Newton adds to that. Uh, you, you know, does he have to pass a physical to be released? That's another question. Or do they have to find an injury settlement situation with Newton? It's, it's a bit of an ugly situation. But look, the... Uh, the other side of this is, do they even go, right? I mean, does Andy Dalton even go at the end of the day, or does he just sit and become an Eli Manning mentor to Joe Burrow for a year, which isn't the worst situation in the world for the Bengals? It's not great for Dalton. But that's certainly something to talk about is, is does Cam Newton even leave Carolina, or is he just you know, a fill-in-the-blanks option for whatever else they do? I do think there's another quarterback coming to town, whether it's via the draft or via the free agency list, but um, I'm not even positive that Dalton and Newton leave. Just don't get in that Justin Herbert business. Michael Gennetti, Spot Track with <laughs> us. Check him out, Spot Track on Twitter. Great podcast he has as well. Founding member of the 3030 Club, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, LASIK Winston. Where is he next year and what's the market? 
<laughs> I haven't heard that yet. That's awesome. Um, the market's going to be decent. He's going to be middle of the road because, look, at he's a gunslinger. This is an air attack league right now, and teams that have a running game and, and just need to sort of fill in the blanks with a pass with, with a, a big-time passer are, are going to be fine. I've got him in Vegas. That That's where I put him in, in my little bold projections list. Uh, I just think John Gruden brings him in, pairs him with his Josh Jacobs running game, and they go crazy. I think they need to open up that offense, and nobody opens up you know, an offense more than Jameis from what we've seen over the past two years. I, I don't know that there's going to be three, four teams vying for his services, uh, but I do think there's a two- to three-year contract a little bit you know, around the, what it costs for the franchise tag per year, about $27, 28000000 to bring him in and try him out somewhere else. I think a change of scenery is going to work for everybody. Wow, so you think he gets a, a two- or three-year deal with the average being at the franchise tag amount. Yeah, look, that's middle of the road now. I mean, that's $10 million less than, than the highest-paid quarterback in the league. So that's essentially taking a chance on somebody right now, $27 million, which I know sounds absurd, but that's, that's sort of where we live right now with the quarterback position. If he's, if he's going to start $27 million, that, that franchise number is essentially going to be the, 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 the floor, right? I mean, the fact that Nick Foles got 22 to be the starter in Jacksonville was supposed to be a steal. It's backfired completely on him, but that was supposed to be a steal. So many people playing this musical chairs game this offseason. We mentioned three. Then you've got Rivers, and you've got Taysom Hill, and Tom Brady, and Teddy Bridgewater. When that music stops, what dude is just standing there with no chair to sit in and has is out of the game? I thought about that. Um because I think there's at least a backup role for everybody. I mean, I even have Marcus Mariota backing up somebody this year, which to me, to me, six weeks ago, he was out. He he was completely out of the game because it just didn't seem like his skill set was translating for what he could put together on the field. Um, I've got him backing up Trubisky in Chicago for whatever reason. That's just where my chips fell with him. Uh, I, I think the, the guy who may have trouble is Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr will be released, and they'll bring in somebody, whether it's you know Brady or Winston or whoever, Cam Newton. And I think he's, he's vying for a backup role, and he's in a situation where maybe he wants to get paid a little more than teams will be willing to pay him, and maybe he's the odd man out. Um, possibly Indianapolis for Derek Carr. Po- you know, maybe he's vying for, for Jacoby Brissett's services. Uh, but I, just, I struggle to see a second act for Derek Carr somewhere right now. I want to get... Michael, with you on the Tom Brady situation, because I find it compelling this March 18th date and the $13.5 million in dead money that will hit the Patriots. Because on the one hand, I don't know how Brady signs with the Chargers or the Raiders or whoever without getting a chance to talk to the coaches. Like, I don't know, does he even know Anthony Lynn? Has he ever even met the offensive coordinator for the Chargers? I doubt it. Yet, he's not allowed to do that until March 18th. But if he doesn't figure something out by the, with the Patriots by that date, they got to eat that $13.5 million, right? Which, you know, they don't want to do, number one. And number two, that would kind of sabotage what Brady's trying to do if he, if he does want to go back to New England. Exactly. Exactly. He it's it certainly sounds like even if he ends up back in New England, that he does want to at least go and talk to other teams, which is a first. Um, so just to understand that thirteen and a half million, it's spread out over two years in terms of voidable years. So 
what we're talking about here is if he does sign a new contract today, for instance, and it's a three-year contract, the $6.75 million over the next two years can stay $6.75 million this year and next year in terms of you know the, the bonus proration. If March 18th comes and Tom Brady doesn't have a contract with the Patriots that allows that proration to remain spread out, $13.5 million will hit the Patriots cap in 2020, even if the next day he signs another contract. So it'll be $13.5 million of dead cap for Brady, and then whatever the new contract is added on to that. Uh, so that, that's a sticky situation. And for and for Breeze, it's even more. It's 21.3. So the Saints have even more incentive to get a deal done with Breeze right now in the next couple of weeks so that that $21 million doesn't hit their cap, and then they double up with a contract for him. So it's two really uh, sticky situations. Um, they can both handle it. I mean, th- there's a ton of cap space for everybody right now, but – uh, you, you know, you want to get this thing done right now, but you're right. It's counterintuitive to what Brady is saying he wants to do, which is go and talk to talk to other teams and get some stakes in L.A. Uh, so it, there's a very good chance that this is the situation we're talking about, a dead cap plus a contract for Tom Brady. So, but if they give him a contract before that and they extend it out by a couple of years, then they can extend out that proration as well and – he can get more money, but they can lower the cap and have voidable years or option years or all the garbage that they do. Exactly. Yeah, they can pretty much keep it same as they've done before, which is structure it like two real years and two fake years. Um, my guess is that's exactly what they want to do. But I, you're right. I mean, if he wants to go talk, it's going to bite him because they're going to have to accelerate that dead cap to 2020. And it's going to be really tough to pay him what he wants this year on top of that $13 million of cap already there. The more this situation goes on, the more I think about Tom Brady playing in the AFC West against Patrick Mahomes, I think going to end up right where he's been, back in New England, with apologies to Christian Fourier's 99.6%. Talking to Michael Gennetti at Spotrack on Twitter. Check out their awesome podcast. Taysom Hill, I am very intrigued by. I admit it, Michael. I'm like a cat chasing that shiny object around the room. I'm all in on Taysom Hill as a franchise quarterback. I just think his best chance of doing that is in New Orleans for Sean Payton after Drew Brees is done. But what's the market for do-it-all Taysom Hill? We have no clue. We, we, we just don't have a clue. I mean, this is a, an anomaly. We really haven't seen this since Tim Tebow, who demanded to be a quarterback and really wouldn't play these other games. Um, we thought that's where the game was going when he was involved. Uh, you know, it sure sounds like New Orleans wants to run this game. They want to play, you know, one more game of Wildcat with him for however long Breeze is going to be. I think it's probably one more legitimate year and then hand the raids over to Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I think the agents, you know, comments from Hill basically saying it's time. Now is the time for me to be a quarterback. Say otherwise, though. Look, I in my little bold projections, I have him as the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in 2020. Um, via an offer sheet. I, I do think if they tender him at the second round level, which is risky because I do think there are teams that will go an offer sheet at a second round level that they will lose Taysom Hill in New Orleans. And if that's the case, he will get his chance to start somewhere. What will that offer sheet be? I, I mean, I guess we'd start with Nick Foles, that the $22 million a year over three, four years, because that is essentially the starting quarterback floor right now. Um I don't know if that's enough. Is that enough to stop New Orleans from signing him long-term? Probably not. So you might have to get a little more creative with how you structure things because New Orleans doesn't have a ton of cap space, and if they do sign Breeze back, it'll be even less to work with. 
it's going to be a really fun situation. We almost never see offer sheets, and we certainly never see offer sheets for quarterbacks. Uh, but there's a really le- legitimate chance that that's what happens in the next couple of weeks with Taysom Hill in New Orleans. Mike, you don't think they're going to tender him at the first round level and just end all this? I mean, it's a little less than six million. They clearly value him. Seems like it would make sense to bring back Breeze for one more year. You have Taysom Hill as the backup and jack of all trades for one more year as a restricted free agent. And then with Breeze gone, if you like Taysom Hill that much, you slide him in as the next starter in New Orleans. I, I'd be stunned if they didn't tender him at the first round level, wouldn't you? Ross, I would too, but you just don't see it enough. I just don't see enough teams using the first round tender to say that it's it's definitely going to happen. It should happen because this is a starting quarterback and as a backup quarterback for one more year, six million is exactly where you should be. That's a high end backup uh, salary right there. So it makes a ton of sense. It's completely logical. But time and time again, I see teams trying to sneak in the second round and save themselves, you know, one point five million dollars for one year. And sometimes they get burned. We've seen a couple of running backs and, and wide receivers move on on offer sheets because of it. Um, you know, like I said, we don't really see it with the quarterback. I think you're right. They're gonna they they should secure themselves with that first round tender. And if somebody wants to offer sheet them on that, they're gonna be happy about it. Last one for me, Mike. What should Dak's contract be right now? I'm mean, on a long term deal. What in your mind? is a reasonable deal from both sides' perspective for Dak Prescott? Uh, it should be Russell Wilson's contract. I mean, the, the time for games and nitpicking are over at this point. I mean, you can nickel and dime him, you know, saying he's worth 30. I can tell you he's worth 33 on the site based on our calculations. That's fine. But now he's he's a free agent, right? We're heading towards free agency. And I understand that they're going to tag him and not allow him to talk to other teams, uh, and you know, for the foreseeable future. But... If I'm Dak and I'm Dak's agent, that's exactly how I'm coming into negotiations. Here's the highest quarterback contract. This is what we need. You know, we're in our mid-20s. We're in our prime. This is the Dallas Cowboys. It's time to pay the quarterback the right way. Uh, so to me, there's there's no wavering anymore. You've, you had time to get $33 million done, and that was six months ago in, inside the season when things were, taught, were progressing. And it seems like they wouldn't go to there at that point. And now there's no negotiations. Now it's $35 million and maybe a little bit north of that just to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Excellent stuff there from Michael Gennetti at Track. Check out the podcast, Track as well. He'll tell you why the Lions are not trading away Matt Stafford. Too much dead cap money. Before you go, Michael, it's Valentine's Day. What's your take on Valentine's Day? And, and let's put it in your terms. How much money... Should the average guy be spending? Oh, I love this. I love this. My wife and I agreed to not spend any money this year. Can you believe that? Yes. I'm probably going to get burned for this, right? I'm, no, I'm definitely not by burned. me. <laughs> <laughs> now not that, now that me. I say it out loud, I'm, I'm definitely in trouble. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is it like is it like a third of a birthday, right? So like if you spend 250 on a birthday, should you spend like 90 on Valentine's Day? Is that too much? I mean, what's a what's a dozen roses? About a hundred bucks, right? No, I don't know where you. No, I don't no. know where you're getting a hundred. I don't know where you're getting roses, dude. But you gotta come talk to me. I can get you. I can get you a real nice deal. One eight hundred flowers Use code football, by the way. I can get you a real nice deal. A lot less than that. Two hundred fifty dollars for a birthday, 
My wife and I don't ever give each other anything that's more than like 50 bucks, 100 bucks ever. I like this. I, so, I need to learn your ways. Well, no, I'm with you, Michael. I'm going to spend, well, zero as well. What if you break that rule? Like if you go out and buy some flowers, is she going to be mad at you? Do, do both of you just genuinely not buy this holiday altogether? Yeah, we wrote it off. We're like 15 years in here. We wrote it off a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's the Hallmark holiday. We've got kids now, so we give them some crappy little $3, you know, grocery store gifts. They love it. They eat it up. So we, we pass the buck down to the kids and it's caught, it saved us a ton of money. <laughs> I knew I liked you, Mike. I, I knew you were my kind of guy. Ross Tucker's the cheese dick of the year, man. You wouldn't believe the lengths he's going to to make his wife happy today. But he's a good dude, just a cheese ball. We like how you do it. Zero dollars from the man who knows dollars and cents. Michael Gennetti at Track on Twitter. Good to have you, my friend. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> really great analysis on Valentine's Day and on the free agent market. The Derek Carr could be out and that Taysom right, Hill could start next season in Carolina. Love all those takes. We'll take a break and more on Valentine's Day, including some outside-the-box options for you fellas. If you want to spend a little bit of money, or if you're single, we got an option for you. And also our friends from Pro Football Focus weigh in further on the free agent quarterback carousel. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then, find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. Home and Home. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. How you spending it, fellas? Are you like me and you're just bitter and you just don't like this holiday? Are you like Michael Giannetti from Spot Track? You're not buying this holiday. You're not buying this made-up crap, and neither is your wife. Or are you the cheese ball of the year? Hall of Famer Ross Tucker going all out. What kind of guy are you? 
Got some outside-the-box options for you as well. Also, pro football focus. Sam Monson breaks down this awesome, intriguing free agent quarterback class. We'll figure out who's going to be standing around when that music stops with no chair to sit in. On a Bloody Mary Friday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I know my resume's there. Yours should be too. That's how businesses hire this year. SpotTrack was great. Check them out on demand just a few minutes ago. Really intriguing concepts about where some of these quarterbacks land. Ross Tucker, I'd tell you, 409 Tailgate Club nailed the Bloody Mary mix. I'm just torn about getting into a second Bloody Mary before I get in the car and drive to the airport. I wish it wasn't so good because then it'd be easy to stop at one. Now I'm going to have two. I'm going to refill, Ross. I'm going to refill. But here are some outside-the-box options for Valentine's Day if you haven't bought a gift. And Ross Tucker, I want you to order them best to worst. Okay? Number one, Boston Market is really offering Baby back ribs bouquet. They say don't buy the same cheesy old flowers. Come to Boston Market. Get yourself an actual bouquet of delicious baby back ribs. Number two, Waffle House. Across the country, more than 200 locations. It started with one. It is now spread to over 200. They are taking Valentine's Day reservations for dinner in which they have white tablecloths and all sorts of Valentine's Day themes, and they are disappearing. It is impossible to get a reservation at your local Waffle House for your Valentine's Day dinner. Number three, Hooters offering 10 free boneless wings if you bring in a picture of your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend and have it shredded. Now, theoretically, you're going to Hooters. That probably means it's an ex-girlfriend. I don't know how many single ladies are going to Hooters, but if I have to add to this, boneless wings, well-played Hooters, that's the only way to eat wings. And number four, in California, scary-ass, terrifying clowns are delivering Valentine's Day flowers, candy, you name it. Scary, terrifying clowns. It's called the Ranch of Horror. They are delivering your Valentine. If I did that, I would be divorced. I'm terrified of clowns. My wife is far more terrified. Can you order those best to worst? Yeah, the scary clowns is obviously worst. I I don't get it at all. I don't know what I'm missing. So scary clowns is worst. Hooters is second worst because, number one, I I, I like the gimmick of you're single, so you go to Hooters on Valentine's Day. But boneless wings, absolutely not the way to go. That's second worst. I love the Boston Market and Waffle House. And I got to tell you, Dave, I'm going to give you even some more insight into my wife right now. She would love either one of those she would love that she would think that that is awesome really so i'm gonna go waffle house one boston market baby back ribs bouquet two because i don't know what that really looks like 
Like, and I don't know, like, I, I need a little more information on that. But Waffle House, being able to order whatever you want, but it's, like, funny and it's nice Valentine's Day, that's hilarious. That's an amazing. Waffle House won for sure. Okay, I would agree with you there. I think my wife would be on board with going to Waffle House for Valentine's Day. You could laugh it off, and at least it's a gesture. Yeah, the clowns would get me a divorce. I love what Ranch of Horror is doing. I talked to them last night, and they cannot believe how busy the phone lines have been. They cannot find enough scary-ass clowns to fill all their reservations in California. That is absolutely terrifying that that is really happening across California. Says a lot about the left coast, but I kind of love it in its uniqueness. And come on, Ross, buffalo wings with the little bones and no meat. Dude, that's ridiculous. You, you're just trying to be a manly man. Boneless wings are far superior than picking around all those ridiculous little bones, dude. Just admit it. No, it doesn't it doesn't taste like the same meat. Like the meat from especially a drum of a wing, like Ugh. that tastes like real chicken. Whereas boneless wings taste like processed crap because they are. Boy, I could not disagree with you more. Let's talk about it with Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Perhaps he has graded wings. Uh, so, Sam, we're going to get into the free agent quarterback class, my friend. But first, if you could, boneless wings versus picking around all those small little bones when you get no meat. And, and, and if you can expand on that, what's your overall take on this ridiculous hallmark Valentine's Day? Are, are you all in on Valentine's Day? Or are you with me? You all out. Well, all right, let's start with the wings thing first, right? Yep. Boneless wings yep. are just chicken nuggets. There, there's nothing <laughs> wing about them. And chicken wings, I think, are more hassle than they're worth. So I'm out on both of them. I think chicken wings definitely taste superior. I'm with Ross on that. But they're just not worth the hassle of digging through all the bones and the gristle for the tiny shred of meat on them. You know, get yourself a solid chicken drumstick, a full-on leg. Forget the wing. I love that. I love that. Sam, you you know, you Irishmen, I tell you what, you guys know, you know, this is hundreds of years of knowledge right here coming through. I love it. All right, what about Valentine's Day, Sam? Yeah, well, you know, it's obviously a corporate contrived holiday designed to strip us all of our money. On the other hand, we're married or have girlfriends, etc. So we're stuck with it. But but do you right. go so all do out? Right. So you embrace it? Do you embrace it or not? No, I, I mean I do. You know whatever I think I can get away with and not get divorced. <laughs> okay. So you're like and Briggs. You're not wearing red for Valentine's Day, are you? No, this is more orange. It's just terrible lighting okay. in here. Okay, I was going to say, man, that is, that is cheeseball Ross Tucker-esque. All right, let's get back now to the free agent quarterback class. And we had a poll question this morning. I said, RDC, home and home. Who you got for your starting quarterback next season of these choices? Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton. Who is the guy you want for one year? I want Jameis Winston, but only if I can have him back in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. I, I think that connection... Arians has a, a history of coaching 
career years out of quarterbacks, but it hasn't come in year one. So last season we saw like, you know, bits and pieces of it. The guy had incredible production, but obviously all those interceptions as well. I want to see year two of Jameis and Arians together. Um, and I think if it's ever going to happen for Jameis Winston, if he's ever going to put it all together, that's when it would come. If I can't get that, I mean, it's between, I think, Dalton or Cam Newton. I'm, I'm now getting pretty scared as to Cam Newton's lengthy injury history. And even if he comes back healthy, are you going to have to change his playing style because of all the injuries he's had? Because if you have to take away his rushing threat and the, the things that made him special, he's, he's not the same quarterback at all. And Dalton is the one that's, you know, maybe the steadiest of the three, but you need to give him help. Like if you surround Andy Dalton with a top level receiving core and a decent offensive line, you might get solid production out of him, but he needs that more than the other two. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Everybody seems to hate Andy Dalton. I, I, I don't really understand it, Sam. I feel like he's always been like a 15th best quarterback in the NFL for a lot of years. The Bengals have been garbage the last couple of years. Last year, they were the worst team in football. I mean, what's so bad about Andy Dalton? I think he just represents you know, a lack of ambition at the quarterback position. It's like, if you have an Andy Dalton, you know he's never going to be a top five, even probably top 10 quarterback, and teams don't want to settle for that. You want to chase a guy, even if it's a Jameis Winston, this idea that maybe he can put it all together and he can be a top five guy, and then we're cooking. Then we can go to the playoffs, we can win games, the quarterback can get stuff done. You know, you can create a very good team around Andy Dalton that he can perform well. But I think it's this realization that he needs all of that help. He needs this optimum situation to play at a high level. And if he doesn't have it, he's just this average quarterback. And I think, I think people in the NFL just inherently dislike the notion of settling for average. Whereas actually a lot of the times, you know, the teams would probably be in a much better spot if they you know, targeted specific places where average is actually fine. You know, we can be great elsewhere. If we're average in these spots, we're in a good position. Talking to Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, highly encourage you to subscribe. PFF.com, best analysis, college and pro football anywhere on the internet. Sam, interesting theories from Michael Gennetti at Track. Uh, just about 20 minutes ago, we talked about this free agent quarterback carousel, and he said the one guy still standing without a seat is not a guy we mentioned. He believes it's going to be Derek Carr, who's going to be out in Oakland looking for his next place to play. I was shocked by that. I think Carr can play. I think he's back in Oakland. Um, do you think there's any legitimacy to that? If not, who is the guy? When all is said and done, that's standing around without a seat when the music stops. Yeah, I could definitely see Derek. I could see Derek Carr going either way. You know, I think he's shown enough huh. that you could be convinced that you could build a decent team around him, kind of like the Andy Dalton thing, that if you give him a good roster to work with, he can work with that roster. On the other hand, I can see you looking at Derek Carr's performance since that 2016 season where he was so good and saying, look, he's never going to get back there again. We're not going to put this thing together. It's time to move on and find someone that can do it the, the same kind of thing for a cheaper level. So I, I could see either scenario unfolding for, for Derek Carr. 
obviously, I think Tannehill is, the, or not Tannehill, sorry, um, Marcus Mariota, the guy that Tannehill replaced. I think Mariota is the guy that lost his job over the course of this season, not just in Tennessee, but I don't see any way he has a starting gig in 2020. I think he's going to have to do what Tannehill did, which is go somewhere, be a backup, and then try and wait for an opportunity to resuscitate his career and show that he can be more than he was this year. All right, Sam, two veteran guys, both free agents, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. Everybody seems to think Rivers is cooked. 2018, I thought he was awesome. People seem to think Brady still has something left. What did the film show this year for both of those guys? What do they have left? What can they be for a team in 2020? I mean, I think the common thing they both have is that each one of them now needs help, you know, in a way they didn't necessarily in the past. The Chargers have been spectacularly unable to put an offensive line in front of Philip Rivers, basically for the duration of his entire career. And some years he's been able to overcome that and been incredible despite a huge amount of pressure. I just don't think he's able to get that done anymore. So Philip Rivers needs to go somewhere that can protect him a little bit. And if he does, he can still play at a high level. Brady, I think, is his issue is with the receivers and the complete lack of separating uh, separation in New England a, a season ago. They basically had Julian Edelman and nobody else. And as soon as teams figured out that if they bracket cover Edelman, nobody else in that team can win in the passing game, Brady had problems. And I think when you look at the tape and when you look at the data, almost all of the issues in that New England offense stem from the fact that nobody could get open on a consistent basis. Brady held the ball longer than he's held at any time in the last 10 years, and he was worse under pressure at any time in the last 10 years because no matter how long he held onto the ball and no matter how much he tried to give those guys a chance, nobody would get open. So I think if you give Brady a receiving core that will separate, he suddenly jumps back to being a top-five quarterback. I, th- I think he still has that level of ability even at you know 43 years old. Talking to Sam Monson, profootballfocus.com. Who the heck could that receiving core be? A.J. Green did not play a game like next season, last season. No clue if he's anything close to what he was in his prime. Looks like Greg Olson is going to sign elsewhere. Um, Amari Cooper, they're going to find some way to hang on to him in Dallas for at least another season. Clearly, Tom Brady would like to find a spot for Antonio Brown. Can't imagine under any circumstance that's in New England. So who could those receivers be if the Patriots want to hang on to Brady? Well, I think it's a great draft for needing receivers. And the Patriots have not been good at drafting receivers, which is a problem. But they've also shown in the past that they're willing to trade for receivers. You know, they threw a first-round pick at Brandon Cooks a few years ago. And that puts some interesting names on the table. You know, if they're willing to deal number, what, 23 overall, they could start looking at guys like, you know, Stephon Diggs, maybe from Minnesota, or, you know, what would the Browns take to give up Odell Beckham this year? The Patriots, I think, could make some moves. You know, there's also some free agent receivers that will be available. Even if Amari Cooper doesn't hit the open market, you've got guys like Emmanuel Sanders. You've got Robbie Anderson from the Jets. Um, you know, there are some players that are out there. I think they're going to need to take multiple swings at this thing, whether it's trade, free agency, the draft. They might need to do all three to try and find a group of guys that can separate and give Brady someone to throw to. 
Sam, let's talk Taysom Hill. Uh, he wants to be a franchise quarterback somewhere else. Based on everything you've evaluated, preseason, regular season, what have you seen from him? What do you think he is? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously an incredibly talented athlete and playmaker, but projecting him as a quarterback is almost complete guesswork at this point because he's basically never played it. Um, you've got to go either back to college or confine yourself almost exclusively to preseason games. And obviously preseason is just not the same thing. Now, he's been reasonable in preseason as a quarterback. He's actually been, he's had a couple of good games and the good games were the, you know, the two more meaningful preseason games, weeks two and three, the ones that if you're going to put any kind of stock in them, those are the games to put stock into. But projecting that forward as a 16 game, you know, regular season starter is almost complete guesswork. I think he has the skill set to be an intriguing player in an offense that's built around him, kind of the same way that, you know, the, the Ravens offense is built around Lamar Jackson's unique skill set. I would be incredibly fascinated to see what a Taysom Hill offense looked like if Sean Payton designed one from the ground up. I just don't understand why you would go to that kind of trouble for Taysom Hill. You know, he's a talented playmaker. He's an athlete. But there's a lot of players out there that, that tick those boxes. And I'm, I'm just not sure what the fascination is, particularly with Sean Payton, because that guy has been hyping Taysom Hill since he got there at an incredible degree. He was comparing him to uh, Steve Young during the season. Like this was before he had any incentive to talk him up in terms of uh, getting somebody to throw a restricted free agent offer at him. I, I don't understand quite what Sean Payton's fascination is with Taysom Hill. On the other hand, I'm all for the entertainment of seeing him build an offense around him. Me too, man. I am all in. I am a cat chasing that reflection all over the wall. Last question, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. What do you like? What do you not like? Will you be watching in week two of the XFL season? I don't know. I think I'm, uh, I think I got burned by the AAF a little too much. I was trying to watch the XFL in week one. I like a lot of the changes they've made in terms of rules. The, you know, the extra point thing. I think the kickoff stuff, which I didn't think, I didn't expect to like. But I think that could actually work well. Um, and the fact that they fix replay. You know, the NFL should immediately adopt what the XFL does in terms of broadcasting the conversation that happens between the officials and the replay booth guys so that you at least know what is happening. I think that's a fantastic innovation, something rugby has been doing for the better part of a decade. The NFL should definitely adopt that. But in terms of the actual on-field action, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm fine. I want to like it. I want to find a way to invest. And I'm just, I don't know. I think the AAF has burned me. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I'm talking myself into watching it this weekend, week two, over the NBA All-Star stuff. Sam Monson, pro football focus. Appreciate it, my friend. Happy Valentine's Day. Check him out, pff.com. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 